Hello and welcome to another episode of Equipping the Corps. Today, my guest is Chief Warrant Officer 4, David Tomlinson. He is a gunner with Portfolio Manager Ground Combat Element Systems. As an infantry weapons officer or gunner, he is the resident infantry subject matter expert for Marine Corps Systems Command. He provides technical direction and support to program managers, project officers, and their teams in developing weapons, optics, and other gear. The Marine Corps is modernizing and implementing the Commandant's vision of Force Design 2030. At the heart of that modernization is the individual Marine and making that Marine more lethal and more survivable. Marine Corps Systems Command has spent the last couple of years focused on doing just that, and the gunner has played a critical role. Gunner, thanks for being here with us. So before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been in the Corps? Sure. I uh, came in the delayed entry program in 1996. Uh, my first 14 enlisted years, I uh, was a team leader, squad leader, scout sniper, platoon sergeant, platoon commander. Um, had a few MOSs within the infantry battalion with uh, machine guns and infantry and leaders course and stuff. Um, got commissioned in 2011 and have been a gunner since then. So uh, coming up on 12 years now, I was in uh, 2-8 as the battalion gunner. I was actually the weapons company commander on uh, our first Afghan deployment and then went to uh, 225. I was the security force regiment gunner and then now here at Systems Command. Well, thanks for your service. And more importantly, thanks for being part of the team here. Uh, you're the first gunner here at Systems Command. Why is it important to have a gunner here? So I have peers from every, in every infantry battalion, regiment, division, um, all the entry-level training sites and the supporting establishments. So I'm able to uh, answer RFIs for them, but more importantly, canvas them for information that we can utilize here within the command. The example I always use is the, the new high-cut helmet uh, mm -hmm. that we're, we're fielding. So I started getting text messages, emails, as we were fielding the new squad body and WBGs that they weren't fitting properly and, and the balance was off in the helmet. Um, when you look at the old helmet, it was an older suspension retention system. So just being able to go to, to PM ICE and talk to the PM there and show him the concerns that the Marines had and then also that it wasn't fitting the over-the-ear hearing enhancement devices, uh, the wires were kind of haphazardly taped and dummy corded to the helmets. We looked at potentially modifying our helmet that could accommodate that. So in less than seven, eight months, PM ICE was able to turn around with a ECP helmet, which is an engineering changing proposal, which just modified the current helmet that we had, made the cut a little bit different, added some rails to it and swapped out the suspension retention system. And now that's probably the highest demand item that the fleet is asking for. Um, and just from a simple couple emails from some folks in my community and being able to voice that to the PM, uh, pretty quickly they were able to turn and field something, refield something pretty quickly to the FMF um, that now is probably one of the most high demand items that the, the fleet's asking for. So I got to ask you, we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the latest equipment and whatnot, but I got to I, I gotta pry a little bit and say, take you back maybe 10 years yeah. and you know, you're, you're messing around with all your gear and, and whatnot. Did you ever envision yourself being on the acquisition end? being that individual who's kind of the linkage between the Marine messing with that gear 
and the engineers here actually trying to field what's definitely what's not. Available. I didn't. I had no idea. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, I. So my first experience was my first time stationed in Quantico when I was a combat instructor mm-hmm. over at TBS, the basic school. We were testing out uh, the new utilities the, right, the right. pattern, and I remember they were looking for guys that had former sniper backgrounds right. to basically go stand in the woods and see if we could identify the different patterns. Um, it was all civilians and didn't know what they did or where they were from, just knew they were looking at a bunch of different patterns, shades, colors. Um, and I thought it was pretty cool that they were asking some younger Marines for feedback on just uniforms. So fast forward 15 years from then, um, actually more than that, 20 years from then. Um, and, uh, being here now and seeing the process and what all goes into just Procuring something as small as, you know, a new helmet all the way to a set of complex firing systems or, uh, you know, new Carl Gustav recoilless rifles mm-hmm. and, and what goes into that and why the process is in place. I have a greater appreciation for the professional acquisitions folks that we have in this command and why it's a primary MOS for uniform people and why we retain our civilian population for so long because it takes that long mm-hmm. to really understand the process and get good at it. So at the end of the day, you can field something faster, more effective, more effectively, and more efficiently to who I was 20 years ago, standing in the woods and some various patterns of camouflage. Now, I know you bring a wealth of experience, obviously, to uh, our folks here based on your experience and whatnot, but do you reach back to the community and what kind of engagement do you have on a regular basis? Yep. So every day I talk to the division gunners, um, whether it's updating them on gear and equipment that's going to get fielded to their division whether a project officer, team lead, or PM has an RFI. Uh, so just this morning I got a question, hey, can you canvas the fleet and find out if the screws on the SBMVG are coming loose? We heard that the screws are starting to come loose. Um, I got 10 email responses back in about 30 minutes that some confirmed that there was some loose screws. So right now we have engineers over there messing around with screws and Loctite and different things to figure out if they can figure out how to make the screws from not coming loose. So no pun intended, but you really get down to the nuts and bolts of things here, don't you, <laughs> on, on a regular basis. Uh, what do you, uh, and, and I, I know your community must get together from time to time. Uh, what is the feedback that you get? What do they want to see from uh, from uh, the interaction here uh, with Marine Corps Systems Command? Yeah, so one, one thing that uh, I started doing last year was travel with General Prasadian when he goes to his MEF and division mm-hmm. trips. At that same time, I kind of break off and reach out to the company and feel great officers in my community um, just to kind of give them updates on what we're working here within the command. Um, as far as my community, once a year, we meet annually at the, uh, the Marine Gunner Symposium. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll have some directed topics. Um, I'll go through our portfolios here within the command and let, it's a t- chance for me to let uh, all the gunners know, there's about 99 of us, what all we're working on, what's coming up. And then areas where we need their input or support for future development of systems or gear and equipment that we were looking to field. Um, so that's really the time where we decide based off of inputs from general officers, from division concerns, from my community or our, our schools, that there's gaps potentially where we need to figure out if there's a material solution or whether there's something we need to go back to and write a requirement to officially fill that gap. Um, so we might host working groups within the symposium, so it's a week long, and then we'll outbrief to either the IOAG, PPNO, 
our out briefs go to the ground board every year. And then from there, the DCs um, will chair them and figure out if they want to prioritize anything that comes out of our symposium. But if I'm doing my job throughout the year, everybody should have the communication uh, with our command and myself with the FMF that we don't have to wait till that annual symposium. That's just really a good chance to get everybody together and put some pen to paper and, and do some work. So I've been involved in some programs in the past, and we've got phenomenal engineers, and they really come up with some some fantastic solutions for problem sets and whatnot. But I think at the end of the day, uh, and I know I had uh, some experience with a particular vehicle, uh, at the end of the day, although it made great sense for the, for the engineer, it wasn't necessarily the marine-proof type of thing. Is that something you find yourself uh, putting yourself in that situation, whether it's yourself uh, Marines from the fleet that come in. Can you share with us a little bit on uh, once you get a piece of gear, yeah. what do you do with it to get it to that Marine proof? So Marine proofing is uh, easier said than done, I think. Um, our engineers are great and they, they are definitely subject matter experts within their field that they concentrate on. Um, but they sometimes they just don't know what we at the lowest levels of, of the service potentially needs. So when you look at um, our, our new pistol that we're fielding, mm -hmm. there's different MOSs or uh, career fields that need different types of holsters. And folks here probably don't know that. Your right, right. law enforcement folks need a certain kind of holster and a level of retention that's required based on their policies and Marine quarters. Uh, you've got security folks, security force um, MOSs that require a different holster. Recon has to jump with their holsters, so they might not necessarily be cognizant of that. Um, right. And what I can do is get various samples of different kinds of holsters, take them to the units, let them get their feedback from them, um, and then we can officially go out to industry with, here's the specific types of holsters we would like to go after, get their proposals back, and then down-select eventually. So um, marine proofing, though, so you can look at like the SBMVG would be a good one, the, the squad night bino MVGs that we're fielding. Um, they're very expensive and they're slightly fragile. However, there's a, a healthy balance we have to come to where it's not bulletproof, but it also is durable enough to survive basic use. Um, and there's a little bit of education that goes along with that too. Um, and I find myself harping on this wherever I go that you've got to take care of your gear and equipment your $4,000 set of MVGs from, you know, just a few years ago compared to $14,000 now, you've got to treat it better. Um, if it was bulletproof, it'd be heavier and you don't want to put as any more weight on your head than you need to. Right, right. So it's a little bit fragile, but I think we're doing better as a service, educating the younger Marines that your gear is not as cheap as it used to be 10 years ago. So I'm glad you mentioned education because uh, we feel a lot of capability and we're going to get into that in just a, just a second here. But uh, can you talk a little bit about, so it's not just we buy, we, you know, we, we develop a piece of gear, uh, we manufacture, we get industry to manufacture it, obviously, and we field it. There's care and attention that goes with it. There's training. How much involved do you get in, uh, in, in some of that? So of all it? the new equipment training I'm involved with from, from the beginning, whether it's the TMs, which I'll source out to my community as the well. Technical manuals. The technical yeah. manuals. We'll send them out and I'll get feedback on them uh, for recommended verbiage or, rec you know, just better formatting potentially that's easier for the Marine to understand. We'll develop some of the initial new equipment training classes that we'll hand over to the various commands that they can in turn run the train the trainer 
um, for those systems that we field. And then the biggest thing that we do is is provide that initial capability to the FMF when we reach um, that the first units that we start fielding and getting the feedback from the units on better ways to train it, employ it, whatever the gear or equipment is, we provide new equipment training for everything before we officially hand it off to the FMF to maintain and sustain on their own. So it, it doesn't seem like a big deal, um, but I really think it's one of the most important things we do here is as we transition it from a material solution to actually fielding it and providing the proper training for it. Even at the schoolhouses, we're involved there as well within training command. We'll send folks there to help build those classes into their programs of instruction for future education. I think one thing that's important for folks to understand too is we take a piece of gear now from cradle to grave. Mm -hmm. So it's not just we develop it, build it, field it, and say goodbye. We literally uh, provide eyes and ears on it for its life cycle. Correct. Uh, and you continue to do that with the fleet, I'm yep. assuming. Yep. Uh, so we've talked a little bit about uh, what you what you do here, the importance of having you uh, and having your community involved in the acquisition process, the uh, fielding evolving of some of this gear. Can you just walk us through a little bit of some of the gear you've been involved with in the last couple of years and what are some of those things that uh, making, is making our Marines more lethal, more survivable? Sure. So uh, really the last two years um, have been the start of the largest modernization of the infantry that we've seen in the last 25 years. Uh, it started uh, in 2016 when Secretary Mattis uh, put together the Close Combat Lethality Task Force and organized uh, from each of the services representatives that would focus on the Close Combat Force. Uh, and he used to say that 90% of the casualties come from 4% of the force, mm. uh, not just the Marine Corps, but our sister right, services right. as well, and receive 1% of the budget. So when you look at it in those terms, that the, the people that are at the pointy end of the spear that are always engaged in combat uh, and across the services receive the least amount of funding, but take the most amount of casualties. I think that really focused, especially with the Marine Corps, um, where we needed to refocus as a service, uh, which really affected this command to get after modernizing and fielding new equipment to, to the infantry and infantry-like units. So just in the last two years alone, um, squad common optic for every M27, uh, which is a one by eight variable power optic um, that is going to allow us to engage our our weapon to the, the max effective of, of what it's capable of doing. Um, squad Bono MVGs, which we talked about before, you can now see at night as far as you can shoot. Um, the MALS, which is the Carl Gustav system, it's an 84 millimeter recoilless rifle uh, with a fire control system. Modernizations to our plate carriers, they're 30% lighter now, lightweight plates. Overall, you get about a 50% weight savings, which is huge with the amount of weight that we already carry. Um, now I'm assuming weight savings adds mobility to, to the individual Marines. And that's a that's a, a big learning point for the services. Mm -hmm. We used to try and cover everything with body armor. Right. And what we realized was the slower you are, the less, uh, you know, survivable you are. So the lighter you can be and the faster you can be, we, over some time and some testing, realized that there has to be a healthy balance there too. And uh, I think that's why we saw the investment in lightweight plates a lighter PC with play carrier uh, to include the helmet system. Now you've get a little bit more field of view out of that. So everything that we, we procure, we look to one, see where we can save weight. 
uh, and two, how can it make the individual Marine more lethal and more survivable? So I know one of the uh, been complaints over the years about particularly the the uh, the uh, plate carrier or, or the Kevlar vest back in my day, yep. one size fits all, right? <laughs> uh, but I'm assuming nowadays it's not one, one size fits all. Not at all. Take no. this and make it work. So what goes into that and what, what are some of the things we've done to uh, do some improvements yep. to that? So uh, our Marine Expeditionary Rifle Squad, MERS, uh, who's part of the command also, uh, got involved in human performance and they have the ability now to size and 3D scan individuals. And what we're able to do now, we used to only field uh, sizes to the fifth to the 95th size uh, male to female. Mm -hmm. And what we are able to do now is two to 98%. So what that did is get us from four sizes, small, medium, large, extra large, to eight sizes. And they're all wow. interchangeable. That's, it's quite a range now. It is. And there's it fits much better. And I think uh, there'd be a lot less of us injured. <laughs> uh, and maybe some lower VA claims um, had we learned this years ago. Um, but I'm glad it's out there now. And the Marines really like the gear that they're getting. And they, you can tell the difference when they wear it now, that they're more comfortable in it, They're which makes them less fatigued over time it makes them more aware of their surroundings and at the end of the day it just makes them better warfighters that's awesome that's fantastic uh what can you tell us uh looking out maybe over the next year or so what are what are some of your main focuses when it comes to gear so force design is really one of the big things we're, we're focused on um but really we're we're going to end up finishing what we started two years ago. So mm -hmm. unfortunately with more complex equipment like our long range sniper night sights or squad bottom MVGs, they don't get produced off the production line as fast anymore. Right, right. Um, and they're also more expensive. So what we used to be able to do to field in one to two fiscal years takes four or five fiscal years now. Um, and helping the FMF and the training institutions understand the gaps and capability just between sister battalions potentially right, right. Um, is where our communication with the fleet helps them understand when they're getting stuff and why they're not all getting it at the same time. Um, I don't know if that answers your question necessarily. Yeah, it, it, I, I think it does. Okay. I think it does. I, I think so. My next question would probably lead me to uh, how do you determine what unit gets what yeah, uh, coming in? Is that do you play a role in that? Uh, I do in those decisions. Um, yeah, so not necessarily the decisions. I'll make right. recommendations. Um, but it's a good um, distinction. It is. So I, <laughs> they shouldn't blame you. No, not at all. Um, we go through initially CDNI, um, which is our requirements command. Um, they'll just determine which units are going to get what equipment, and then we'll go out to. PPNO, which is uh, our plans, policies, and operations section uh, at Headquarters of Marine Corps, and they will prioritize whether it's infantry units first, whether it's specific billets and MOSs right. within a unit, or just the FMF and then the entry-level training sites. So they'll prioritize, and then what I'll do is I'll work with the division gunners uh, or the MEFs, depending on the equipment, for specifically which unit they want fielded and when. And then we try and sync up our fielding timelines based off of the unit's availability and when they can provide Marines for either the new net training or uh, to receive the gear and equipment before they start to issue it out. Uh, that's great. So I know we, uh, the Marine Corps has got a couple of uh, experimental battalions out there that are uh, designed to inform 
the future of force design uh, 2030 going forward. Uh, they're doing a, a variety of things with different capabilities, different makeups, to different sizes. Are you involved in any of those activities? I am and have been for the last year and some change. Um, so right now, 1-1, one, 1-2, one, one, and 1-3 one, are each of the division representatives for the experimental battalions. 1-1 uh, one, one is going to be mostly communications focused. 1-2 uh, is going to try and source the gear and equipment as well as the new structure, the proposed structure of what the infantry battalions are going to look like. Um, and then 1-3 is specifically just the new gear and equipment. Um, and they're also trying to man to the MOSs as well. So 1-2 is really our hybrid between the two to see what a legacy company would look like compared to a new force design company. And McWill, uh, which is our warfighting lab, is focused on trying to pull out the after-action reports from those units to help facilitate and inform a future decision come the end of next year um, to really see which direction the service is going to go with the experimental battalions and new gear and equipment and new structure that we're looking at. And again, you mentioned uh, the three battalions, and I'm assuming they're spread out across the uh, the three respective MEFs then. They are. Uh, that's fantastic. Thanks uh, for sharing that with us. Uh, so we talked uh, early on about uh, your perspectives on Marine Corps Systems Command and acquisition. Uh, can you tell us how you ended up here? Sure. So uh, did you just volunteer and say, hey, you need somebody think, to <laughs> come fix this? No, I think um, about four or five years ago at one of the symposiums, um, I had made a comment. Uh, which is probably why I'm here now. Um, <laughs> that there's we should. You weren't a, complaining, were you? No, All right. I was making just, just educated making sure. recommendation. <laughs> so I've got a peer at CDNI at requirements at PPNO, um, who basically is the Marine Corps gunner. He works mm -hmm. for for the Commandant. Um, Training Command has a gunner. There seemed to be a gap in Systems Command with uh, all the new gear and equipment that was getting fielded once a year. We hear about it at the symposium. Uh, and I had made a comment that I thought a gunner should be at System Command. And uh, Colonel Manning at the time, uh, he was a PMIW, um, infantry weapons. He was the PM for there. He kind of giggled and was like, well, it's funny you should mention that because we are trying to create a billet at Systems Command. Uh, at the time, I, I was probably a new CWO3, so I didn't even pay any much more attention to it. Um, <laughs> Careful but, what you ask for. Exactly. <laughs> so two years ago when it came up, they asked me if I would want to be one of the if I would want to come here and be the first gunner here. Um, and I, I jumped on the opportunity. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I just knew that I thought I, somebody from my community here, uh, I didn't realize the service level impacts it would have. I thought it would be more beneficiary uh, for my community, but I, I didn't realize the, the input that this billet would be able to have within, within the command. And, and I'm assuming throughout your engagement here, uh, not only being a, a, a great education process for you, mm -hmm. uh, but I think uh, on the, the flip side, I, I think the command has benefited from your expertise, your experience, uh, your your connectivity to the community by bringing that experience here. We've talked a little bit about the, the, the engineers, the command, but do you deal much with industry at all and what role they play in, in what we do here? I do a lot. Um which was another surprise, how much mm. I interface with, with industry. One, just trying to keep up to speed with new advancements that they're making. Um, also, let's say we do have a, a trend or an issue with a certain set of equipment. I can reach out to the vendor and see if they've seen these 
same issues, uh, and maybe they already have a, a solution to something we find. Um, you know, a good example is at the Gunner Symposium two years ago, um, it was one of the first things I worked on was we were working on the new squad common optic and we weren't sure what reticle design to put into it. So I reached out to some of the smarter scout sniper gunners that I knew have a pretty big shooting background and asked them to canvas just their commands, but also their, their Marines. Um, and then we've also got the shooting team here at, at Quantico that uh, we lean on heavily for marksmanship related stuff. So as a, Shooting community, infantry community, gunner community, we kind of all came together. And at the, that symposium in 2018, we voted and designed our own custom reticle um, that Trigicon made for us specifically mm -hmm. that isn't really on the civilian market, um, but it filled the, the necessity for what we needed within the infantry at that time. And you all personally had involvement in selection of the, the optics and stuff? So we, yeah, so we voted on it. Um, mm -hmm. We sent the command again, I canvassed the, the FMF to right. send Marines to support the limited user rebals. So they sent the Lance Corporal squad leaders um, and leadership to test out the various optics we were looking at. And at the end of the day, the Marines, you know, favored one over the other. Right, um, right. And then we got into some of the finer uh, performance specifications with that and really focused in on what we needed, um, you know, the types of dials that we would like to see on there, and then all the way down to the to the reticle as well. So given the, the diverse portfolio that you cover, I know we talked a lot about equipment, uh, survivability and whatnot, but there there's another area that's extremely important to Marines, what they wear, their mm -hmm. boots, things of that sort. Can you touch a little bit on any involvement you've had over the last couple of years on, sure. on some of that gear? Um, so the helmet was one of them. Um, the over-the-ear hearing protection, mm -hmm. which is the HEDs, um, they're, what the new HED does, um, hearing enhancement device, is it allows you to not only block out dangerous noise levels, uh, it also gives you sound, local, sound localization that you don't necessarily get with a pair of just $20 Lowe's earmuffs. Right. Um, these, you can tell specifically 360 degrees where a voice is coming from, uh, it's digital. You can also integrate your communications into them. So you're saving Marines hearing, but you're also enhancing their awareness, which we didn't have before. And, you know, earplugs don't do that for you, but right, but right. these do that. So um, that was two big things I got to work with, uh, infantry combat equipment. Um, camouflage is another one. The future uniform is, a, is another area that we're looking at. Um, I know we've had a couple of boots over the years, winter boots. And, yep. uh, winter boots was a big one, and most recently was the two variations of the jungle boot. Um, very lightweight, and the Marines love them. Uh, they dry really quick. We tested them out in the Jungle, Warf jungle Warfare Training Center out in Okinawa, um, and that's really the feedback from there is really what helped drive what we wanted to get after in a boot. That's great to hear because I love my jungle boots. But it took me a long time to find them way back when. So, uh, but I know that's near and dear to every Marine out there. Uh, well, uh, I, I think this has been extremely informative for myself. Uh, really appreciate you making the time Absolutely. Uh, and educating us here. But before I let you go, I got two things. We're going to get to a lightning round here real quick. Right. But if you had to say something to your fellow Marines out there, Marines that are thinking about Marine Corps Systems Command, how do I get involved in this process? What would you tell them? I would tell them, uh, and, and again, this is a couple things that I usually harp on when I travel, is one is if you are not happy with the gear and equipment you're being fielding, is let your chain of command know. If you find a problem with it, 
you can go to our website and there's a link there where you can submit it's kind of like a trouble ticket but you can submit a request for information or at least acknowledge that something you were fielded is not fitting the way that you think it should be um, or operating that way so you can go in there and you know leave your your recommendation and then somebody from this command will get back to you Um, i know program manager program manager infantry weapons has their own site where you can go to and submit RFIs in there as well for information. Um, and then I think really just making sure that they stay tied into their their communities because we have representatives from all across the MAGTAF in this command. So at some point, if you voice a concern up through your chain of command, it will go get back to, to this command and hopefully the right program manager to be able to fix something or you know provide education on something that might be deficient or that's just not being utilized properly. That's awesome. So don't just sit by the sidelines and watch and complain. Get yourself yep. involved in the process and get off Facebook and get into our website. There you go. There you go. Well listen, we gotta hit the lightning round here before we let you go. So what was your uh, favorite duty station and why? Hawaii and should be self explanatory. Uh, uh, Aloha Fridays. I can only Amen. imagine. Yeah. We had some people here on the staff who just spent some time in Hawaii. Uh, what's a TV show, a book, a movie, or a podcast besides this podcast that you would uh, recommend to folks? Um, so Ghost Fleet would be a book that I would recommend. It has a lot of areas that with force design we're focused on. Um, which is interesting, and you kind of wonder how some of the information ends up in a book um, because you sit in before you do it, right? Right, and yeah. <laughs> uh, it's an it's just a new way to look at a future fight potentially. When you think about where we've been for the last twenty years, this book highlights some potential things that our country might face mm-hmm. in a future future fight, and it's just it's good to kind of open up your your mind a little bit and see some other potential issues you might have to think about. Um, Podcasts don't really get into too much. Movies, I watch a lot of History Channel, Discovery Channel. Um, so. Hey, that's a good answer right yeah. there. One of the, two of my favorite channels right there. Uh, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? I would be a police officer, most likely, in the Philadelphia area somewhere. Wow. City of brotherly love, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Go Eagles. But you end up, you you stuck around. I, I'll tell you, I did the same thing. I was going in for my four years to join the force, and I stayed on this force instead. Yeah. Uh, and last but not least, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? So definitely invisibility. Um, we are constantly trying to figure out through camouflage or paints, swear mitigation, thermal mitigate. Like, how can we make individual Marines and equipment less visible? whether it's visual spectrums or even just emitting, uh, you know, frequencies and stuff, how can we hide all of that? So I think if I could figure that out through a superpower, I'd pass that on to Syscom to, uh, to go after and procure. Gunner, please let me know. I mean, my staff claims I have that superpower already. So, but <laughs> if you can on Fridays, mostly on Fridays, but if you can bottle that, uh, share with us and, uh, and, and I'll be the first to try it out. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, join us and talking about uh, what it takes to equip our Marines. I want to wish you success in the future. Appreciate it. You've done some great stuff. Keep doing what you're doing. And maybe we'll have you back here uh, at another time for another episode of Equipping the Corps. Appreciate it. Thank you. 
Well, this concludes another episode of Equipping the Corps. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation today. If so, please take a couple minutes, leave us a review, subscribe, tell your friends about us. Till next time, Manny Pacheco signing off.